Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so thankful to have you join us today from wherever you're listening in. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now let's get ready to dive into today's word. So excited that you have joined us today, that you've tuned in wherever you may be worshiping from. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Against the Grain. Our world is moving in a certain direction, and we are, we are called many times to go in a different direction, which means that we are moving against the grain. Today, um, I want to talk to you about counterculture kindness. Last week we talked about faith. We are not people of fear, but we are people of faith. Today I want to talk to you about kindness. You heard me correctly, kindness. Uh, In a world that uh, is often rude and uncivil, uh, we are called as followers of Jesus to be kind. And I'm excited about the message that God has for us today. I don't know if, if you realize this or not, but the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of kindness. It has a lot to say as the people of God, how we are to operate in kindness. And so we want to speak to that today, um, and we want to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, starting in verse number 15. Here's what uh, the writer says. It says, make sure you never pay back one wrong with another wrong. Instead, Always try to be kind to each other and to everyone. In other words, if we are going to live in a counter in, in counterculture kindness, we will have to make a decision that we're not going to fight with people. We're not going to argue with people. We're not going to go tit for tat with people or retaliate. But we are making a decision to be kind. Most people uh, spend far more, they put far more effort into looking nice than actually being nice. I think sometimes we spend more time looking in the mirror, making sure that we appear nice than we do making sure our attitude is nice. And God wants us to be kind. He wants people to say that about you and I. I believe that if you really want to improve your appearance, then be kind. If you want to become more handsome, gentlemen, be kind. Ladies, if you want to become more beautiful, be kind. People enjoy hanging out with kind people. Look at this phrase from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This list includes five things that God says we need to clothe ourselves with. I want you to notice that the list does not include Armani, Gucci, Ralph Lauren, Nike, or Under Armour, but it does include kindness. I want to focus on this word kindness today because if I were to take a a poll of people that are connected to you, maybe coworkers, friends, family, maybe even people you go to church with, and I were to ask them, what are the character traits of this individual? What would they say? 
would kindness be in the list to describe you? And the reason we need to look at that is because God makes it very clear that he wants people to say about us, we are kind. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse number 5. It says, your kindness should be known to all. I love that verse. Your kindness should be known to all. In other words, God wants your reputation to involve being kind. Is that what people say about you? As followers of Christ, if people would not characterize you and I as being kind, then we are not uh, demonstrating the character of Jesus. I don't know how you feel about it, but I want to be labeled as a kind person. I want our church to be known as a kind church. I, I want every person connected to Bethesda Church to be labeled as being kind. I think it's extremely important. And, and the reason that's important is because even if we don't get everything right, if we are known for our kindness, people will look past what we get wrong. If kindness is so important to God and we should be clothed in kindness, then we need to answer this question, what is kindness? What is kindness? I think the simplest definition of kindness is this. Kindness is love in action. It's love in action. In other words, to be kind, I I have to move. I've I've got to uh, be involved. It's an activity. It's not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling. I can have a feeling about a specific person, but if that feeling doesn't motivate me to kindness, then I'm not displaying the character of Christ. Kindness means activity that I'm doing something about what I believe and what I feel. It's so important that Jesus told probably the most famous um, story in the entire Bible, that even if you're not a churchgoer, you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And the whole story is wrapped around uh, the concept of kindness. The Samaritans and Jews, though, we know that they were at, at odds against one another. Um, They both lived in Israel, but they were both guilty of racial prejudice. They were both bigoted against one another. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. The Jews, one of the, the popular phrases that they would use against the Samaritans was this, I would rather be a dog than a Samaritan. That it's better to be a dog than a Samaritan. There was so much animosity between the two groups, and they both lived in Israel. And so Jesus has this unique way of not only telling stories. uh, He taught taught in parables, but he has this unique way of turning the tables, of of you think it's going to go this way, but he turns it, and it actually goes this way. And and what he did in in this story is he took the guy that the Jews would have labeled as the bad guy. And Jesus makes him the hero. Jesus loves doing things like that, especially with religious people. Um, If you know the story, it's about a man who is traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And the Bible says that robbers came, they attacked him, they stripped him of his clothes, and they left him laying there half dead. But the Bible also tells us There were three individuals that day that are a part of the story. There was a priest, 
there was a Levite, and then there was a Samaritan. Uh, and we're going to look at these three individuals because I believe they speak to us about three attitudes that we can adopt into our life, two of which are not good. Let's look at the first attitude, that being the priest. And this attitude is, number one, I can keep my distance. I can keep my distance. Look at Luke chapter 10, verses 30 and 31. It says, in reply, and, and you need to know Jesus is replying to the question of, who is my neighbor, all right? He's responding. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In other words, the priest kept his distance. He had an attitude of avoidance, out of sight, out of mind. If I, if I go on this side of the road and ignore this man, then it's no longer my responsibility. And, and a lot of people have this mindset. They want to keep people at a distance, which is the opposite of kindness. We keep people at a distance um, for a lot of different reasons, but a lot of times it boils down to as long as my relationships are shallow, then I never have to be engaged. As, as long as I keep you at a distance, then I'm never responsible to help you. I'm, I'm never responsible to come alongside and help you through that, the season that you were in. That's the first attitude. I keep my distance. The second attitude, which was the Levite, is this. I can be curious but uncaring. Curious but uncaring. I could say this another way. I am aware and I may even stare, but I don't care. This attitude is probably worse than the priest. At least the priest was just about his way. I'm going the other side. This guy, the indication is, is that the Levite got close enough to find out what was going on. Like, I, I'm, I'm so nosy, I want to know what happened, but I don't care. I, I want to know your struggle, but I don't want to help you through your struggle. Man, that sounds like the church to me. We love talking about people's problems. We just don't like helping them through their problems. And so the Levite, he's, he's curious, but he just don't care. You say, well, pastor, I would, never, I would never operate with that attitude. Well, how many times do we see a need and we just keep going? How often have you pulled off the side of the road? Maybe that's dangerous now, but an accident, and you're curious enough to slow down and stick your head out the window and see, you know, the, the, the carnage, but never get out of your car to do anything. How often do we, uh, do we uh, exemplify curiosity without actually caring? The third attitude, which is the one I hope that we take home today, is this, I can show kindness. I can show kindness. And obviously this is speaking of the good Samaritan. In Luke 10.33 it says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Again, Jesus has turned the tables. 
This is a guy who is despised by the very man who has been hurt, yet he is the hero in the story. This would be uh, similar to a, a Jew who had survived the Holocaust because he had helped a Nazi perpetrator. That's, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, and so Jesus flips everything, and it, it brings me to a scripture from Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12. Jesus said, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Do to others what you would have them do to you. We know this verse. This verse is what many call the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Unfortunately, even in the church many times, we don't treat people the way we want to be treated. We treat people the way they treated us. And, and if we're going to live against the grain and we're going to exemplify counterculture kindness, this is not about me treating you in the same manner you treated me. It doesn't matter if you honored me, disrespected me, talked bad about me, said negative things. My, my call as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, is not to treat you the same way you treated me, but I am to treat you the way I would like to be treated, which means that no matter what you do, I'm going to sow seeds of kindness. That's, against, that, that's completely against the grain. You don't see that demonstrated very often. So why, why should we do that? Well, I, you know, Jesus said to. That's a great reason. Another reason that we should do that is because God says if we are unkind, our life, I want you to get, it doesn't matter who you're un, unkind, if you're unkind to anyone, the Bible says your life becomes un, unproductive or unfruitful. So look at this verse in Galatians 6 verse 7. It says, the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, harvests a crop of weeds. And he'll have to show for his life, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. I can give you examples today of men who lived selfishly. Obviously, I'm not going to give you the examples, but, um, I, you know, men who have lived selfishly, maybe ignoring their spouse, you know, mistreating their children, end up in divorce, end up estranged from their kids, and they become old and alone and unproductive, and it's all because instead of sowing seeds of kindness, they sowed seeds of selfishness. When we sow kindness, great things happen. Now, on the negative side, our life becomes unproductive when you and I are unkind, but when we are actually kind, God says, I will bless your life. Look at the verse in Proverbs eleven seventeen. It says, your own soul is nourished when you are kind. It's interesting to me how a lot of Christians are struggling to be kind. And, and they, they say things, I wish people would be nice to me. I wish people would be better to me, be kind to me. All, all the while, if they would simply be kind, God says, I will nourish your soul. It's not what anybody else has to do for you. If you'll be kind, I'll take care of your soul. And it's a powerful concept to understand. But, and, and, and here's what I want you to grab from this. Kindness is not just an emotion. And I don't have to wait until I feel it to be kind. If you wait until you feel like being kind, you may never be kind. 
You may, you, you may never move in kindness if you have to wait until you feel it. God says, I will bless you and nourish your soul if you are kind. And so I want to give you four takeaways real quick on how to become a kind person. How, how do I become kind? Number one, I have to see the needs of people around me. I have to see the needs. In other words, it starts with my vision. It starts with my ability to see. When you look at the story about the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 33, it says, when he saw the man's condition, when he saw it, his heart went out to him. So it starts by seeing things that you've been missing. A lot of times it's all about vision. It's all about our willingness to see past ourselves so that we can move in kindness. Love begins with looking. Love begins with looking. Sensitivity begins with seeing. You can't care until you are first made aware. You got to know that there's a need, but I can't know that there is a need and someone needs kindness if I don't stop long enough to look. So it's about observation. And, and I want to encourage you today that there, there may be people that you are watching this service with, maybe in the same room with you, that right now they are wounded. They're like sitting next to you and they are wounded. There are wounded people all around us. And the reason I know that is because every person carries a secret wound. Everybody has been through something that hurt. Every person. No one is exempt. And so that means that we have to slow down long enough to see the need, to see the hurt in another person's life. Um, and I want to encourage you to slow down. I believe if, if nothing else comes out of this pandemic where everybody feels stuck at home, I believe it's an opportunity for us to hit the reset button and slow down long enough to realize what's happening around us. Because the truth is, hurry is the death of kindness. Hurry is the If I'm in a hurry all the time, I'll never be kind. I'll keep going to my next thing, my, my next um, calendar meeting, the next appointment, whatever that is. And right now, Everybody's kind of sitting at home. There's nowhere to be. So while we're in this state, let's be kind to one another. Let's, let's validate one another. Let's encourage one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, Paul says, Look out for the good of others. I want you to highlight that. I want you to circle that, just those two words, look out. So many times we are looking out for our own good, but Paul says, I want you to look out for the good of others. I want you to look past yourself, and I want you to see other people. Now, many of you, here's the truth, many of you, you are naturally gifted in this way. You naturally see the needs of people. Like you, are, you have a, a bend towards that. The rest of us, <laughs> we struggle. Um, and I struggle. You say, well, Pat, why do you struggle? Because I'm a man. And men struggle many times to see past themselves to encourage someone else. Um, I want to be kinder. I want you to be kinder. But it starts with seeing the needs of other people. Number two, I must sympathize with their pain. 
I must sympathize with their pain. Um, seeing the need, that's an observation. Being sensitive or sympathetic to the need, that has to do with emotions. I said in the beginning of the message that kindness is not just emotion, but it does involve emotion. In other words, to be sympathetic means that I want to connect to them on an emotional level. Luke 10, it says, when he saw him, his heart was filled with compassion. The Bible says over and over that we are to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. If someone is in pain, we, we share the pain. If someone is happy, we celebrate with them. And, and I want to answer a question as it, as it relates to being sympathetic. Because you may be sitting there at home and you're thinking, how in the world can I be more sympathetic? The answer is really, really simple. Listen better. To be sympathetic means to listen better. If we will slow down to, to be better listeners, we will automatically become more sympathetic in the lives of other people. Uh, again, to the men, we struggle with this, but I want to remind you, if you're married men, um, when you first started taking your spouse out on dates, and, and I know some of you are like, I got to think way back to that, but you, you remember that time how when you took her to, you know, dinner, on a date, you, you just begin having conversations. And as a man, we, we're typically selfish, all right? That's just the truth. But when you're, you're trying to win her over, you sit down at dinner, and you, you lean in to the conversation. She, she talks, and you lean a little further, and you even throw in a little, whoa. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you do that for the entire two hours because you're trying to win this, this, this woman over to you. And so you lean in, you're concentrating, you're listening better, and you go home completely exhausted. Why? Because you're not used to listening like that. And, and, and the point I'm making is, if you did it before, you can do it again. We can choose to be kind, and watch this, Choices lead, feelings follow. If I choose to be kind, eventually my, my feeling, my emotion will catch up to my decision. And so I want to encourage you to choose kindness, to sympathize with a person's pain, to listen better, to understand that every person needs validation. And sometimes the validation is just listening with understanding. Listening to them. It doesn't mean that if somebody comes to you and they're, you know, they're frantic and they got all these feelings, it doesn't mean you have to agree with their feeling. I think we fall into the trap of thinking to be sympathetic means I have to agree. I can completely disagree with your feeling and still be sympathetic to what you're feeling. I don't, I don't have to say I feel just like you. And, and listen, if you're making people feel just like you, that's control, that's manipulation. Don't make anybody else feel exactly. If they are willing to listen with understanding, that is kindness, even if they disagree with your feeling. So I want to encourage you to take a step towards kindness and understand that people need to be validated. I tell Premarital, in, in premarital sessions with couples all the time, I talk about don't answer feelings with fact. In other words, 
when, when they say, I'm feeling this way, don't just, don't just quote a scripture at them, all right? They, they probably already know the verse you're quoting. They just want somebody to understand what they are feeling, all right? So answer feeling with feeling. We have to emotionally engage to be kind. Also, the key to kindness, and this may be the most important part of the message. I want you to grab this. The key to kindness is this. Stop asking what's wrong with them and start asking what happened to them. Big, big difference. So many times we can't operate in kindness because we're asking the wrong question. We're asking what's wrong with those people. Well, the end of that is you're not going to be kind. You're just going to be like, they got a problem. But if you will stop long enough to say what happened to them to make them feel this way, then you, you have a better opportunity of actually sowing seeds of kindness. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this, in this way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ he's referring to? To love your neighbor as yourself. To sow kindness. So, number one, I got to see their needs. Two, I got to be sympathetic. Number three, if I want to be more kind, I must seize the moment to help. This one's very simple. It means I don't delay. I don't tell them I'll help you tomorrow. I don't procrastinate. I, I don't put it off. What I have the power to do today, I do it today. That's what we learn from the Good Samaritan. He didn't wait for someone else to come along to help the guy who was ha half dead. He, he began immediately doing what he could with what he had. Luke 10, 34 says, He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He took initiative. And I love that he used oil and wine, oil to soothe the pain and wine to disinfect the wound. Then it says he bandaged him up. He's doing what he can with what he has. And, and what we learn from that is, I'm sure the Good Samaritan had other plans. He had probably somewhere else he was supposed to be. But what did he do? He allowed his schedule to be interrupted. I want to tell you today that love sometimes is inconvenient. It means that I have to forget about my schedule. It means that I need to throw out my plans sometimes if I'm actually going to be loving and kind. That I can't be so selfish that I only see my to-do list, especially when I have an opportunity to meet a need. This guy could have had a thousand excuses as to why he couldn't help. He could have been just like the priest. He could have been just like the Levite who saw the man and ignored the man. Saw the man, was curious about what happened, but didn't care enough to do anything. But this man, he canceled all of his plans, and he says, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to seize the moment to make a difference. Galatians 6 and 10 says, whenever we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Whenever we have the opportunity, we are called to move. We're called to action. We don't wait. And part of the reason why we don't wait is sometimes when these opportunities come, 
It's God's way of setting us up for a divinely inspired encounter. And a lot of times we will miss a God moment because we ignored someone in pain. Many times miracles are released when our schedule is interrupted and we take on the responsibility of helping someone else through their pain. That's when we see miracles. That's when we see God break in. I am reminded this morning of the 2016 flood here in Greenbrier County, and I don't know where you're watching from today, but in four, nearly four years ago, we experienced what they called a 1,000-year flood. Devastation everywhere, houses wiped completely out, deaths, I mean, you name it, 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 was, it was a disaster, to say the least. And all we didn't have, like, everything we needed to help people, but I remember the day after the flood, we came here, we fired up a grill, and we just started making hot dogs because we didn't know how else to help everybody. And by the end of that day, there were tractor trailers coming in here with supplies. There were people from all over getting here. For whatever reason, God allowed our church not to be flooded, and I'm so thankful for it. Why? Because in that moment, it was an opportunity for us to sow kindness into the lives of people that we didn't even know. And miracle after miracle after miracle continued to happen for our, for our church and for many lives. Many people are coming to this church now because we helped them four years ago. I'm saying that every time there is a need and you meet it, God's saying, it's an opportunity for you to see me in a new way. This man, he took advantage of the opportunity. Proverbs 3 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Church, let's not delay in helping people. In this pandemic, check on your neighbors. Check on the elderly in your neighborhood if they need someone to get them groceries. Find a way. Find a way just to sow some seeds of kindness. People are fearful. People are in a panic. And we have an opportunity right now to have a divinely inspired God encounter. The other thing I'll say about this before going to the last point, we need to understand when we're dealing with pain, that the deeper the pain, the fewer words you use. Sometimes it's good enough to show up and shut up. I've mentioned to our staff several times when we are dealing with tragedy, they'll say, Pastor, what do I say? And I'll tell them, don't say anything. Because when the pain is, is, at, is deep enough, words come up empty. It's not your words sometimes that people need. It's your presence that they need. To know that they're not dealing with whatever is going on in their life alone. I see the need. I sympathize with the need. I seize the moment. As the worship team comes, number four, I must spend whatever it takes. I must spend whatever it takes. This is the principle of sacrifice. There's always a price tag to kindness. It will cost you time. It costs you money. It costs you energy. Kindness sometimes will cost you sleep. If you're truly operating 
in kindness. Sometimes it will cost you your reputation. Have you ever helped someone and then you were judged for helping them because of their lifestyle? Sometimes we want to pick and choose who we help based on, you know, how will I be lumped in? Will it be guilt by association if I help them? But Jesus was never concerned with guilt by association. Jesus was only concerned in helping them through the problem. So we learn from this story in Luke 10, 34, 35. It says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. There's so much in those verses, I'm not, not going to take time to explain. But I want you to notice, we're talking about it will cost you something. I want you to notice who's riding on the donkey and who's walking now. The guy who was left half dead is now riding on the donkey while the good Samaritan is walking. I'm telling you that to be kind means that you're going to prefer your brother, prefer your sister. You're going to let them have an easier road while you sacrifice. It's a seed that you are sowing. Verses 36 and 37, Jesus asked, remember, he's, he's answering a question. Who is my neighbor? He tells the story and then he sums it up. Jesus asked, which of these three people would you say was a true neighbor to the one attacked? And the man said, the one who showed him kindness. Jesus replied, you're right. Now you go and do the same. Church, let's go and do the same. Let's be kind, not to those that have been kind to us, that's not against the grain. Anybody can be kind to those that are kind to them. I'm saying let's be kind to those that have mistreated us. Let's be kind to those that have wronged us. Let's be kind to those that maybe we haven't seen eye to eye with. Let's, let's make a decision to be kind, to sow kindness. Proverbs 19 and 17, being kind to the people in need is like lending to the Lord, and he will repay you for the kindness you have shown. Anytime you and I help someone in pain, we are lending to the Lord. We are lending to the Lord. I, and and that, that blows my mind that when I help someone in need, I am lending to God. What we have to understand about that is, is God always repays. He always repays. And, and no matter how much you give in kindness, you will always reap more in what God pays you back. It doesn't matter what you've given out. God will always give back more. So who do you need to be kind to this week? As I was studying for this message and praying and how to wrap it up, how to end it, I feel like God gave me three things as homework for you. You're like, oh, I'm stuck at home with the kids and now I got homework. I'm not trying to add to your tension or stress. But I want us to look beyond ourselves right now. First thing I want you to do is I want you to be kind to someone, anyone, that's not a follower of Jesus. Someone that you know does not serve God at all. They don't claim Jesus, don't pretend to know Jesus. I want you to 
take a step this week to show them kindness. Maybe a text, a phone call. Simple, something simple, but show them kindness. Secondly, I want you to do a random act of kindness for someone. A random act. Could be, I know we can't go in restaurants and sit down, but it could be as easy as paying for someone's drive-through that's behind you. It could be getting some groceries and just dropping it off for a neighbor unannounced. But I want you to do something kind, a random act. And the third one is probably the toughest. I want you to do something kind for someone that you feel has mistreated you. Say, no, pastor, that's where I draw the line. I want to encourage you to take this step. Jesus talked about some powerful things happening when we're good to those who are not good to us. After all, Jesus, while being crucified, said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. He was forgiving them as they were doing it. If we're moving against the grain and we're going to live in counterculture kindness, we're going to have to be kind to people we feel have, have mistreated us. So that's your homework for the week. Now I want to speak to those that are not in relationship with Jesus. I want to take just a moment. I got a scripture for you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, God saved you through faith as an act of his kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. Point being, we all come into the world as sinners. We all come into the world needing a Savior, needing a Savior. Truth is, we can't save ourselves. But God, as an act of his kindness, sent Jesus to die in our place. Thanks for listening to the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you'd like to contribute financially to our ministry, you can do so by going to bethesdachurch.tv give. See you on the next episode.